0: For commercial fruit and vegetable growers in Nebraska, my name is Carol Waters. I'm Extension Educator in Cass County, and with me today is Stacy Adams, Extension Specialist in the Departments of Agronomy and Horticulture at University of Nebraska Lincoln. Good morning, Stacy.
1: Well, good morning.
0: Well, I'm excited to have you on. I know um, this topic has been talked about and in various meetings. So I'm excited to talk about hydroponics and the the impact to Nebraska that it could have. So let's start with what is hydroponics and aquaponics?
1: So we'll separate those two terms. First of all, hydroponics is when we grow plants uh, in the absence of soil. And we're typically using um, water as the method in which we bring uh, nutrients to the plants. Um, As you're aware that the common practice of growing in our garden or in our our fields is we rely upon the mineral soils that we have. And uh, then we enhance that through either organic methods or by adding fertilizers. Um, But in in hydroponics, we're actually dosing the nutrients in specifically. When I say nutrients, I actually mean mineral elements um, in order to dose them in exactly what the plants need for growth. Um, You brought up also aquaponics, which is a different production system. It's a hybrid between aquaculture, which is the production of fish, and hydroponics, which I've just explained. So uh, what they do uh, as a source for nutrition for hydroponics is utilize the waste coming from uh, fish uh, in order to provide nutrition. Um, that's an interesting hybrid system and it can be quite challenging because you're actually growing two different things. You're doing fish production and you're growing hydroponics. So I tell people that it's often wise to just start with hi- hydroponics and get a grasp of what you've got going on. And then if you're interested in aquaculture, then then, then move into that and, and, and hybridize the two systems.
0: So I know you've been working with it uh, quite a bit at the university, and you have a model that you take around with you. Uh, what, what parts of the system do, does a person need to get into hydroponic growing?
1: Yeah so um I really want people to explore hydroponics and I have a couple uh ways that people can do it very simply and quite affordably. Uh one of the biggest handicaps we have with a lot of hydroponics is the costs associated with it. Um and before heavily investing in the systems I just think people need to to understand how plants can grow in just uh solutions. Um so I do have a portable system that I I take to my extension presentations. It's a small NFT, which is nutrient film technique uh, system. It uses a thin film and a gutter Um, It's probably the the least forgiving of the systems. And uh, it's fun to look at. Uh, but if somebody was exploring hydroponics, I recommend either uh, one is called a substrate based system. So we use some sort of like LECA, which is a clay particulate um, or articulate, excuse me, um, or we use perlite, grow the plants in it. And then we just dose the media on. Uh, and the other one is deep water culture uh, where we can get like a five gallon bucket and you can put a net pot in the top. Uh, and we just use, uh, fill the bucket with a solution, whatever that nutrient solution is, and just run an air stone in the bottom. And that way people can kind of understand the behavior of, of of the solution itself.
0: And then I also know at, in your greenhouse, you have a float bed system as well, or used to have a float bed.
1: No, that's correct. So, um, I actually teach a course to students and I want them to be exposed to several of the systems. Uh, I do work with a global audience in my classroom, so um, I want students to explore Um, the benefits and and the challenges with each system because there is an application for everything we do. So as you indicated, uh, we do have a float system uh, typically called a raft system that is a deep water culture uh, approach. Uh, A lot of the major growers in the United States uses that as a way to produce greens. Uh, As I indicated, it's one of the more resilient systems. So in other words, if you lose electricity, um, their solution is there and the plants can survive several days without any problem, where if some of these other systems like the thin film or fog systems, if you lose um, electrical interruption or you have a system plug, um, you can lose plants in in hours is what you can do. So the systems I have in play, um, and they're all prototypes, so they're not large scale. Um, but I have the RAF system, and we actually have two of those in place, and each grow about 72 plants. Um, I do have an NFT system that's 12 foot by uh, 20 feet, and that one will grow about 800 plants in it. And then we have an 18 uh, bucket Beto system, which is a sick leak. So in other words, it, it irrigates six times a day, uses a substrate, and has a small reservoir in the bottoms of each of those containers. Um, and that one has an automatic um, replenishment system. So. It monitors what the pH is and the uh, the fertilizer content, and it can modify it and um, correct it before it's uh, cycled through again. And we've also um, added UV light filtration in it because uh, some of our farmers would be familiar with the FISMA Food Safety Modernization Act, And so I want students to be familiar with how we can clean up the water and make sure we run a clean system. And then the other one I have is a deep water culture system. Uh, I had a student explain it's kind of like a lazy river for tomato plants, if you will. Uh, They're in these buckets. Each bucket is eight gallons. We have two plants in each. Um, The solution uh, flows from one bucket to the next to the uh, next. They're all kind of tied into a. A PVC pipe with this slow flowing solution that goes from what's called the peripod, which is the main pod where all the mixing and aeration occurs. And then it uh, gradually flows through all these buckets for return back. And then we also have an automated um, nutrient correction system on that, too. So and and then as a part of the course, which is awesome, is that the students not only get to see the prototypes I have in place and learn how to work with them, but then I allow them to um, create their own. So uh, that way they can develop a way to maybe resolve a problem that they might be familiar with or they want to try and explore something.
0: Well, that's awesome that um, the students are getting to get some real hands-on experience and hopefully move it to a larger scale when they get out of college.
1: Yeah. So one thing I forgot to say is um, a lot of our school systems have grow towers and there's programs available for schools and teachers. And one of the issues I run into is a lot of people exploring hydroponics.' They're, they're scared of it, so what they do is they buy a system. And these systems can be quite expensive and then they get a hold of it and they're not quite sure how to deal with it. Um, we, we have our own um, grow tower that we made, and they're, whether you buy one pre-made or you, um, make your own as well as another one called zip towers, anytime you grow plants vertically. So rather than horizontally, so horizontal is flat, you know, and vertical means up and down whenever you're doing something up and down, water naturally wants to go down, right? It wants to drop. And, um, as well as light. So plants need light. And so light uniformity has been a trouble with any of these vertical systems unless we add supplemental or extra light Um, and then making sure that the water gets distributed correctly. So I just wanted to pop that out there because as an extension specialist in the era of hydroponics, um, two common themes are I have a grow tower and I'm having troubles with this Um, or... They 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 spend a lot of money on a system and they can't make it work. So they don't understand the environmental conditions associated with what they have going on.
0: Now I know with your systems, you've the prototype especially that you carry to trade shows and and meetings. Um, it's homemade.
1: Yes it, it it's kind of hilarious. Um, I actually put it together quickly because. You know, you can do PowerPoint presentations and you can talk in front of audiences, but uh, seeing something really running in front of you uh, is it is pretty uh, helps. You know, sink in how the system really works. So, I made um, it's only four feet long. I actually took one of those shelving shelving unit things that you get from Home Depot or any of your hardware stores, and I think it's um and as well as the grow light it's an led grow light and i i truly did get that one from home depot but i've seen them at other stores too so i'm not pushing home depot but i, I wanted to see if i could find stuff that we could buy locally to make it so uh the system actually grows 18 plants in an area that's no more than 16 inches by four feet Um, I was just checking my lettuce this morning before I I met with you. They've only been in for four weeks and are already to harvest. So the total lifespan of those those lettuces I have up there was about two weeks from seed to transplant. We've had them up there now. It's three and a half weeks. So Monday will be four weeks. And the lettuce is already probably four ounce plants. It's leaf lettuce. It's that highly uh, cut leaf lettuce. So um, I'm hoping in the near future to create a publication where people can actually build this themselves. It is a a, um, NFT, so nutrient film technique. Um, So it has, I just use a, like a water feature pump that you would use for your statuary, you know, um, and that pumps up and has little spaghetti tubes, if you will. So microtubing that feeds into each of the three channels Six plants grow in each channel, and then it has a collection PVC pipe on the other end, drops it back into the tank. The tank is nothing more than one of those um, heavy-duty storage tubs that you can get at hardware stores. And I cut a few holes in to make sure my pops pipes could drop in there. Totally closed system, so pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, and it's I think it's something that people can look at and really wrap their heads around that they could build something like this. It doesn't yeah, so, have to be a huge investment of money to start looking at hydroponic growing.
1: You know, since we're going down this pathway, you know, the NFT that's a bit more complicated, but it was super cool because it's only one strip of light. I have, you know, various scientific equipment to do some measuring and things. I bit that built that whole system in less than four hours. And, um, you know, I was kind of stabbing at what I need to do, but I'm I'm a professional horticulturist. So I kind of like, you know, roughly knew where I need to be. But I did check it with some, you know, light meter and all that. And I I about nailed it spot on. Um, The light is about 14 inches above the plant, which is a common theme if you read any publications or anything. But um, a less expensive way to to try hydroponics is um, you can either use those like a blanket chest storage tub, or as I said, uh, there's all sorts of sizes of these storage tubs, but I always try and find one that's got the heavy duty side. So you can see it, you know, it's a a little bit heavier duty. It's got kind of a, you know, different shape and a heavier plastic, um, where you can actually cut holes in the lid and you cut the holes according to whatever size container you're going to put in so i did a mock up where i wanted to do herbs and so i took four inch flower pots cut the hole uh so that the flower pot could sit down to its lip basically and i put some like yarn or or you know natural fiber cord you know like a clothesline rope And put these little uh, wicks, if you will, and poked it up through the bottom of the pot, and then used just perlite, and planted my herbs in it, and then made my solution in, in the bottom of the tank. So it's 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 a hybrid, like a wick system. So when I started it, it was deep water, and then you know as the plants got older and they kept taking up more water it was forgiving because it had the wicks to help out and then you know the ro- roots grew so right there i didn't buy anything real special it was the storage tubs and four inch pots perlite and the wicks and i had myself a hydroponic system in no time
0: so if somebody a, a grower wants to extend their season or grow through the winter maybe in their basement or something like that what what recommendations could we give them for a hydroponic system?
1: So, as I said, I think it's really, um, you know, I have some of these growers out there that got high tunnels through the equip grants. Uh, that's a great opportunity. To to use that um, if they're done with their equip grant requirements, they don't have to heat the whole thing. They could put a plastic partition. And you know, I used to own my own greenhouse business, and you know, in order to keep the cost down, I would just put a, a plastic drape, if you will, on the inside, so I was only heating a small area. So you know, if a grower or a farmer has one of those, uh, I would go on and put some hydroponics in there uh, and give it a whirl and i would probably start definitely with the beto bucket system or the dutch bucket is what they call because it is an easier one to do now if they're concerned about heating and all that uh, why not dabble in your heated shop or in your basement Um, grow lights have gotten so affordable And I know it's weird, but Amazon, Amazon corporations, like my new, my new Sears and Roebuck, if you will. And you can get some pretty affordable equipment, um, as an exploratory, you know, it's not like professional equipment, but it's pretty, pretty good stuff. Cause I'm on a teaching budget here. And so, you know, we don't have an endless supply of money, like some people might think, but, um, I, I would set up a prototype in your basement that way you don't have you know you're already heating your house anyway and um, plants like the temperature a little bit cooler than what you might like upstairs and by the time you put the lights on uh, you know you've heated up the area so I I would try a small system that's that's what I would do um the here here's the neat thing about um, hydroponics. It's basically you're growing specialty crops and there's an endless opportunity. So it can be greens, it can be tomatoes, peppers, um, herbs. You can even get them flowers. You, you know, there's just a lot of things you can do. For many of us that might be farmers with traditional commodity crops, we don't have any really con- control of what you know what our money is coming in. And, and I see hydroponics as a tool um, enhance the on farm income. So, you know, you have maybe some downtime depending on what your operation is, but during the winter time, I mean you can grow two crops of something in the winter where you typically wouldn't. You might be doing maintenance or whatnot. Um, so, yeah, that's that, I, I just think people need to explore it because I tell you what, I, I raised a family myself. We had several kids. You know, you pump an extra four or five thousand dollars into your household budget. It, it can make the difference. Um, and, you know, and, and you can even do you know, larger sums. But, you know, just to try it, it, it is great to to help out.
0: Well, in this time of year, you can buy a tomato at the farmer's market pretty cheap. But come December, January, you can really charge a premium for fresh produce.
1: I think it's hilarious because I tell people I actually work with students in the winter. I say, you go to the grocery store and you'll find out that one pepper is $2.50. Now, in hydroponics, we can grow around 35 to 45 peppers on one plant. So, I mean, I said, you know, you can start seeing where this money comes from. Now, you do have to be smart. So we can start out sort of hobby-ish, but you do have to do a penciling out of a return on investment because I do see a lot of people that drop a lot of money on a system. And one of them is those uh, freight containers. I don't know if you've seen those where they're you know, some brand names out there, but basically a refrigerated semi truck and they've got a gross system in it. As I said, a lot of people want to buy something that's what I call plug and play, ready to go. But penciling that out is very hard to ever realize a profit. So um, my conservative nature always is, is to explore what you can do and, and see what's realistic. But before you do that, before you jump in, I think I think uh, just trying your hand at it and see your level of comfort, and then expand from there. That's what I would do.
0: Now you mentioned plants that you could grow just about anything, but should there is there something that growers need to look for when they're looking for seeds for hydroponic systems? <laughs>
1: You know, you brought up something there I, I failed to talk about, but any of your crops that you grow that are going to be green, so it's, you know, like leaf lettuce and uh, herbs and spinach and, you know, whatever, those plants require much less light and much less nutrients. So if you, you don't have a lot of light, that's the way to go. When you get into the fruiting crops, so the peppers, the cucumbers, tomatoes, eggplant, um you about double your light requirement, and then the nutrition is significantly more, plus you have to modify it. Because if you do too high levels, once you establish your plant, then you don't get any flowers. So, you know, the, the best way to start is with with greens. Um, and I forgot what your question – oh, the seeds, yeah. <laughs> I'm a little bit like a black Labrador, you know, I forget where I'm at. That's um, all right. Yeah. Anyway, the seeds, you do want to use improved seeds. And when I say improved, it's going to be hybridized. Um, And fresh seed. Now, if you're just dabbling as, as a hobbyist, you can get by with irregularities. But for me, if I'm going to be planting 200 lettuces, I want them exactly the same size. So I usually buy fresh seed, seed that was just, you know, put up for sale and I usually use some that's been primed or coated and there's a few vendors out there that carry those um and you will pay more money for them but it it just makes your life so much better that you plant the seed and two days later you see the the, the root coming out and by the end of the first week you already have the the, the cotyledon or the um, um embryonic leaves or those first leaves are are visible and by week two you already have the true leaves so that's critical if you have any variation and then you it's kind of hard to pick and choose which plant to put in you know and um so yeah always don't choke on good quality seed <laughs> so
0: well i know there's some vendors that that market specifically hydroponic Seeds for hydroponic growing—is that so, a necessary thing to look at, or can you really look at any seeds that, as long as they are high quality, good, reputable vendors?
1: So what has happened is that it is. Some some will tell you this is good in hydroponics or they don't say anything at all. Really, where the biggest trick is the growing environment. So some of the products have been bred for growing in high tunnels and greenhouses. Um, Part of our problem, especially in greenhouses, is our inability to keep the temperature stable on the inside. You know, when you're outside, you have more of a modulating environment. You know, it cools down at night, warms up in the day. But sometimes greenhouses can get a little crazy, and it might set the plant off to bolt or flower, which creates off taste. So what they've done is these breeders have developed um, or identified specific uh, cultivars of of whatever to resist problems associated with the greenhouse environment, which could be the erratic heat, or it could be um, high humidity, which could cause downy mildew or botrytis and all these. So you're, you're, when you buy a higher quality seed that's specifically for tunnels and hydroponics, what you're doing is um, helping yourself out from having you know, a lot of problems.
0: Great. Well, Stacy, thank you so much. As we wrap up, um, are there resources that you think growers should take a look at before they get into hydroponics if they're interested? Are there some resources out there that they can start doing some research?
1: Yeah, you bring up a good point. There's a couple businesses that just pops off the top of my head really um, well um s- some of these companies want to push product and I was just trying to think um, there, uh, there there's some books out there, but I, I really don't think you need to do the the book thing, but there's a company by the name of Crop King in, in Ohio. Uh, they have a nice website. Um, the Johnny seed corporation, which is a popular company. If you explore their seeds specifically for like lettuce and tomatoes, um, they actually have education sheets that happen to be on there. There, um, you can do some searches. We're trying to develop some materials here in Nebraska. I have one publication that was just released called uh, Lunchbox Hydroponics, but it's more of an exploratory for youth. And we're hoping to get a few more publications out there. I I just would be cautious of. Um, yeah, I, I don't know a good way to explain it. There's a ton of YouTube videos. I think if if, if a person would search and make sure and and look for a, a university extension publication, they're gonna be in good shape because uh, the University of Arizona has done extensive work in hydroponics. And so if you see information coming from those locations, it'd be good. So that's actually a great thing. We need to pull together so people have a single source resource here in in nebraska (laughs) so
0: (laughs) great well stacy thank you for joining me this week
1: yeah it was fun
0: and thank you to our listeners please like subscribe and share your podcast or this podcast wherever you subscribe to your favorite podcast subscribers all right well have a great week and thank you for listening